I have a question for you to begin this morning. What image comes to mind when you think of a priest? Now, priests have worn many different attire over the years. Uh, however, the most distinguishable image of a priest is a person wearing a black, dressed in black, a black shirt, white tab collar. This priestly uniform can be a sign of hope or a reminder of God's presence in a community. This image can also trigger feelings of religious trauma or offense. Now, I grew up in a Catholic family. They went to Catholic school. And so it was pretty normal for us to have a priest come over to our home, especially during special occasions. It was always interesting to note, though, even in my youth, I realized how the presence of a priest in our home changed the atmosphere. Even the adults that were around stiffened up a little bit. Now, priests were great to have over. They were really interesting and open, and they're always really good listeners. Uh, they also were a lot of fun to have around. And so I remember one of these special occasions, uh, Father Osmond had come on over to our household, and uh, I had asked him, is it weird that you wear the same thing every single day uh, and with, with the collar and everything? And he said, smiled and just said, no. It's become part of who I am. It's become part of who I am. Now, this profound statement was a bit lost on me in my youth. But it was profound nonetheless. And what he was really saying, is that he understands how he embodies God's presence to the greater community. Now, a priest's collar is a sign of a religious calling a help, and helps others in the community to identify priests regardless of their faith tradition or denomination. Worn by priests and pastors around the world, the clerical collar remains one of the most distinctive elements of the clerical uniform. It speaks more loudly than words and clearly identifies clergy members in a crowd of any size. Spiritually, it has become representative of priests' uh, consecration to God and their role as someone set apart for priestly service. The collar remains a distinctive sign of the priest's availability and a reminder of Jesus' presence in the midst of everyday life, ready to reconcile sinners and bring souls back to God. Now, it's amazing how one little piece of white plastic can make a difference in how one is perceived and change the atmosphere in a room. I have profound respect for the ordained ministers who wear a collar. <clears throat> and to gain an even better perspective for a collar to become part of who I am, I did a little experiment this past week. Um, you see, I wore this outfit out to run some errands. And first of all, the first thing I noticed was the change in me. I felt so vulnerable. I was cautious of my every single word, my every single movement. 
and really how I carried myself and how I embodied Christ's presence to the greater community. So this led to a lot of different looks from other people, uh, some interesting questions, and some good discussions. But when I wore this, I, my pastoral senses were heightened. And I wondered and couldn't help but to think, shouldn't this be the way it always is regardless of what I am wearing? This brought the idea of the priesthood of believers to life for me in a new way. Our scripture passage today makes a bold, empowering statement. You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. This can feel like a lot of pressure. However, while there is an accountability and, call, and high calling of doing priestly work, it does not fall all on your shoulders. It's not meant to. We have to remember that you and me, we are part of a community of believers. We live in an individualistic culture where the needs of the singular person tend to be put before the needs of the community. Where the word is read and interpreted for individual consumable use. The priesthood of believers is not meant to elevate us above others, granting us special station with power and authority. It's an empowerment of the community, not the individual. It's not about wielding power and authority over others. It is about serving others with humility. Therefore, we need to hear First Peter afresh and renewed and note how the notion of an individualistic priesthood is not supported by First Peter. Now, you may wonder, how can the priesthood of believers be communal when it sounds so individualistic? Well, one of my favorite theological terms is perichoresis. Now, perichoresis is a Greek term used to describe the triune relationship between each person of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It allows the individuality of the persons to be maintained while insisting that each person shares in the life of the other two. This is an example of a community of being in which each person maintains their dis distinctive identity while impacting the others and is impacted by them. This theological term reminds me of the importance of the whole people of God working together, just like the Trinity. Just as when one person of the Trinity acts, they all act. So when we act as a member of the priesthood of believers, we all act cooperatively, impacting each other constantly. A distinctive of this passage in 1 Peter is that it contains one of the most concentrated texts of Old Testament citations to be found in the New Testament. Of the hundreds of Old Testament references to priests and the priesthood, the author of 1 Peter intentionally selected from the few that refer to the whole people of God in priestly terms. For example, Exodus 19 
gives us the verbiage and the heart for the people of God to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. These words were given to Moses to pass on to the people. You shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. Also part of our passage today comes from Isaiah 43, which refers to the whole people of Israel, who is to proclaim God's mighty acts. It is the entire nation, the chosen people of God, who constitute what Peter calls the priesthood of believers in these Old Testament passages. Everything the priesthood of believers does is done in community and transforms the church and the greater community as a whole. Now, we are not our own priests. Rather, we are priests for each other. We proclaim the word, intercede with God, and offer spiritual petitions on behalf of others. The priesthood follows in the footsteps and the example of our high priest, Jesus, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. Therefore, every Christian participates in the priestly function and as a ministerial body. And every believer has a vital role in the work of God, not individually, but communally. Now, Wesley famously mentioned in a letter in 1777, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. How empowering is that? We are invited to shake the gates of hell and to establish the kingdom of heaven here and now on earth. That's one of the reasons why when people ask me, how many ministers do you have at FFMC? I tell them 300. And their eyes get really big and they say, how big is your church? I say, well, our weekly, our weekly congregation is 300. Every person has a part in the ministry, in the priesthood. I believe we are all part of the priesthood and each of us have been given gifts to be the spiritual leaders of our communities. Now, I remember the first time I was told that I was a spiritual leader. You see, my wife and I, we had just started going to church again, and um, our first daughter, it was coming time for her to be de dedicated. And this is before we even knew the Lord, but this is what we were supposed to do as good parents, right? So we have some pictures of us here uh, heading to church and uh, having Victoria there in the first picture being dedicated, and uh, Eleanor a year later uh, also being dedicated to the Lord. And now, once the pastor took our child, prayed over her, dedicated her to God, he looks at Jennifer and I, and he says, you are the spiritual leaders of your household. You are the priests of your household. Whoa. We were taken aback by this profound statement. Uh, we had just come to dedicate our child. We didn't know we had a part in this, and our pastor was good to tell us 
that uh, he's not going to be necessarily the spiritual leader of our household because that's we are accountable for that in our faith life. And so where we were saying, well, no, pastor, you're our spiritual leader, he's giving us that accountability as Christians, as a priesthood of believers. In our stage in life as parents, we didn't want to mess up our kids. You know, we're just doing our best to raise them. However, this was very empowering to hear that we were the spiritual leaders of our household, the priests of our household. It was also something really heavy to carry. And we didn't know exactly what to do or if we were even doing the right thing. It reminds me when God says, be holy because I am holy. That's a great empowering statement from God. But how do we know what to do with it? How does one be as holy as God is holy? For starters, I think it takes being willing and being available. I believe one's actions must be willingly conformed to the call to holiness. By putting aside our former way of life and living lives worthy of the calling that God has given us. It's not about being perfect, but it's about being willing and available. To be set apart, to be instruments and partners with God in the Christian vocation, to proclaim the mighty acts of God who saves us. And this takes practice. Throughout the Inhabit series, we have explored some habits and practices of the Christian life. We have learned to identify beauty in a different way. Find stability. Act in humility and obedience. And now embody the priesthood. These practices take practice. As we embody the priesthood, we will practice using our spiritual gifts and we will be telling others what God has done for us through the way we live our lives. Our scripture reading today challenges us to live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute the prejudices of others about Christians. Then they'll be won over to God's side. Now, directly after this section of 1 Peter, the author is setting up this whole section about uh, house codes and the way of living in the dominant culture as a Christian. The priesthood exists as an alternative community within the culture, not outside of the dominant culture. The priesthood must understand this dominant culture and respect the culture all around them to create authentic relationships. Now this got me thinking, what are some modern day house codes we can establish as the priesthood of believers? Well, I think that we need to own or take accountability for ourselves. Our households, our block, and our community. So the best way to begin the practice of the priesthood is to accept ownership of the priesthood as a transformed follower of Christ. 
First and foremost, we need to own ourselves and our vices and discover how to live a life of love toward oneself and neighbor. Love, after all, is the authenticating sign of a renewed life. To achieve this kind of love, a Christian must also put aside those vices that destroy community, malice, insincerity, envy, and slander. And we must be confident in our identity in Christ. Now we need to own our households. Now, we're not just accountable for ourselves, are we? No, but we are accountable to others as well. Namely, our family members of our households. Practicing the priesthood at home is just as important as practicing it outside of it. Our spouses, children, and loved ones need to see Jesus as part of our everyday lives. Whether it's in the decisions we make, or how we handle conflict, or show love, it's vital that we are practicing what we preach inside of our homes so that those that are closest to us feel loved, supported, heard, valued, and most importantly, be shown God's love through our relationship and witness. Our homes are an important part of the priestly witness to what a God-centered family looks like. Next, we need to own our block. As our sphere of priestly influence spreads from ourselves and families, it ends up reaching our neighborhoods through relational ministry of presence. An entire block can be impacted with the love of Christ that outflows from our homes to reach others. And our neighbors need our authentic selves, not some Christian perfectionist idea or image of an ideal family. Things aren't always going to be perfect. We're going to have challenges. And so we need to share our struggles with our neighbors. And we need to hear the challenges that they have. And with that, that is the beginning of an authentic relationship that can be built upon. We have to understand the perception our neighbors have of who we are is impactful. How can we be more authentic with the people who live on our block? Now next, we need to own our community. Our ministry of presence can grow and impact entire communities. Together, when we put the community's needs before our own, we are upholding the call of the priesthood to serve. We need to recover our understanding of servanthood by going out into the community to serve and not be served. Our community presence should not be domineering or attempt to colonize people to our own brand of Christianity. No. We need to be available. We need to be open. We need to be genuine, humble, kind, and filled with love when we speak with people in the, in the greater community. The more genuine that we are, the more genuine people can be with us. Community ministry 
is the ministry of presence. It's not necessarily having all the right answers or all the solutions or having it all worked out. Presence is showing up as your authentic self and allowing your spiritual priestly caller to become part of who you are. What priests have worn has been discussed for centuries. Controversy about the subject goes all the way back to the year 428, when Pope Celestine I took issue with the clergy who distinguished themselves in their attire. He argued that learning, purity, and good conduct should mark the clergy rather than what they wear. Now, not everyone is meant to wear the priestly collar. However, we are all called to priestly work. I have a tremendous respect for the collar and for all those who wear it in the ordained clergy that wear them and that they choose to devote their lives to the pastorate. And this uniform gives us a great example. A great example of the distinctive nature of the priesthood calling and how we are distinctly set apart for the priesthood of believers. Pope Celestine brings up a good point for us to reflect on as the priesthood of all believers. What will we be distinguished by as the priesthood of believers? Will we be distinguished by our love, community, holy work, testimony of Jesus to the world? As the priesthood of believers, let's put on our spiritual collars each and every day so that by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can impact our households, our blocks, our communities. It is a calling we all possess together to use our spiritual gifts to embody Christ's presence and reach people with the witness of our testimony. You are the priests and spiritual leaders of your workplace, your home, and the schools you attend. You are the priests of the clubs you are part of, the coffee shops you frequent, the stores that you shop at. You are the priests of the condos, apartments, and assisted living facilities that you reside in. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to inhabit the priesthood of believers to all who come on our path. Let us pray together.